You're now listening to Crunch Time. No hot takes, no gimmicks. You love sports, he lives them. So buckle up your chin straps because it's time to wrap up your workday with Crunch Time. Welcome into a Tuesday edition of Crunch Time. Filling in today, guest hosting again is your boy Blaine Vietar. And of course, we got the main man, James Mesh, behind the glass. It might be a gloomy Tuesday outside, but boy, do we have a load of fun up in here today as we're going to have our buddy Scott Rabelais with the Advocate join us at 4.30. We're going to talk all things LSU. We're going to break down a little Jaden Daniels coming over to the Tigers from Arizona State. We're going to talk about LSU's hiccup last weekend over at Minute Maid Park. And then we're going to talk about the big news that just dropped when Pat Ford of Sports Illustrated just dropped that LSU has a notice of allegations against Willie Wade and those LSU Tigers on the basketball court. This has been an investigation that's been going on for quite some time. I, I got to give it up to, to Evan Stacks, who dropped the knowledge on us three years to the day. It was dropped that, that investigation started that LSU had suspended Will Wade since he gave the strong-ass offer over the wiretap phone. And now we're here three years later, and finally, LSU's getting notice of allegations today to find out what's going to happen to this Will Wade-led LSU basketball program a lot of people around Baton Rouge kind of, eh, I don't know, come see, come saw when it comes to a little bit of Will Wade, especially the way this basketball season started and the way the Tigers kind of faltered down the stretch. Now with the allegations coming down, it's going to be interesting. Scott Rabelais is going to join us at 4.30 and give us his breakdown of what that means for Will Wade's future and the future of LSU basketball. Our main man, Christian Clark, of Nolan News, Pelicans beat writer is going to join us at 5.30, and we're going to talk some Pels action as well. Pelicans were off to a white-hot start after they made the big trade. Since then, though, a uh, little ho-hum. We're going to get with Christian Clark, and he's going to let us know how he feels about those Pels and how they look to rebound just tonight, if they can. We're going to have a ton of fun, and we're also going to touch on a little bit of who-dad action as well, as there was a ton of news dropped today. In the NFL, of course, Russell Wilson, uh, excuse me, Russell Wilson going over to the Denver Broncos, and Aaron is going to stay over with the Packers, and he's going to be joined by Devontae Adams, who they franchise tagged today as well. The Saints, though, choosing not to franchise tag anybody. And our main man, James Mesh, went ahead and posted us a little bit of a poll question over on the Twitter machine to see who you guys think. Those Houdats are going to re-sign. Are they going to re-sign to Ron Armstead or Marcus Williams? Both or neither. Where do you guys stand on that? Head over to the game, Louisiana, over on Twitter, and get in your votes as well, and we'll talk about that throughout the show. Of course, if you want to see our beautiful mugs, me and James both, you can head over and simulcast here in Acadiana. You can watch the simulcast on Stadium, 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. And then if you're still not feeling froggy enough and you want to jump in the sandbox and play along, of course, give us a call on the game hotline at 337-706-0111. And you can give us your opinion on everything from Will Wade to Tigers to Pals to Saints to Cajuns. Man, the Cajuns. I thought they were going to get it going, James. They, they got all the way to the finals yesterday. Went up against a buzzsaw, though. They couldn't get over the hot shooting last night and they fall. Won't quite make the NCAA tournament, but is it enough to secure Bob Marlin's future is a question I got for you, James. 
I didn't think they were going to make it this far, I'll be honest. The the turnovers just look like too much, but the fact that this whole tournament, I think they averaged 10, whereas during the regular season they averaged 16. It was definitely a big improvement overall, and I and I was utterly shocked. I think that after this run, the fact that they were able to knock off the number four seed and the number one seed, I think this does buy Bob Marlin another year. I, I think so. I mean, you know, I, I think going into the season, the seat was ultra hot. As the season progressed, they got hotter and hotter, but then the showing that they had that nobody nobody expected it. They played just lights out in those first two rounds, and they played team basketball. They got it done. And, I, look, I think everybody was pulling for them last night. Just hot shooting, couldn't get behind that. Fall up a little short, but I think Bob did enough to kind of get a, you know, by himself at least one more year. Yeah, no doubt. And I, I I even thought about it for a second. I was like, you know what? I, I do believe that they could win it tonight because, one, we know that cliche where it's, it's hard to be a, a, a team three times in the same year, but that was proven wrong earlier because they were able to beat UTA, thought they could do it again. But, I mean, it was just too much with that many super seniors that I even realized that Georgia State had that many super seniors when Bob Marlin was talking about a postgame. I was like, you know what? The experience, yeah, that that does make sense. Veteran leadership won out this time of the season. That typically happens. Guys that are seasoned, been there quite a bit of time, they found a way to get it done. Somebody who didn't find to get a way to done, I know this is a day late and a dollar short, but Calvin Ridley. (laughs) My man said, look, man, I'm trying to get in on the action. You know, you turn on any sports game, Anywhere in the country, that's all you hear about, right? Sports legalized gambling across the country kind of sweeping its wave. Everybody getting in. My man said, look, I want in on some of that parlay action. I don't got a problem, though. I bet for the Falcons to win, but I got to get in on the action. It's going to cost my man 10 to $11 million, the 15 hundo that he wanted to put up to bet his parlays. That's big coin, man. <laughs> I mean, come on, huh? And I and I get where people are coming from, like from the other side about well, how why is he getting a full year when players like Ray Rice only got like six games, and other people with like domestic abuse and more more serious stuff got a lot less games while Calvin Ridley's getting a whole year. I mean, you do have to realize this is the NFL; it's very inconsistent. They also like to use some people as an example, and it just seems to be that Calvin Ridley is that example. But come on, like, it, have you not heard of Pete Rose? You know, <laughs> and my man Pete Rose got banded for life. Don't, don't make no mistake about it. I, look, I, I think just different hot button topic items happen at different times. Um, I think this is Roger Goodell and the, the NFL trying to get ahead of this with, with legalized sports gambling going to be sweeping the country continuously um, in, in the future. They, they had to kind of put their stamp on things right to, before it got out of control. And look, I'm not condoning. Any behavior of the Ray Rice's, the Sean Watsons of the world, I definitely don't believe in that. But um, it's all about the flavor, right, and what's hot. And right now the gambling was hot. So I think Roger got in on that. Um, Major League Baseball, they're trying to salvage. Now they're saying 162 games back on the table, have to come up with a deal tonight before 5 p.m. Hadn't got there quite yet, but they have made some monumental changes there, right? Larger bags, pitching clock, banning the shift. 
We'll talk more about that as well. It's, it's, it's interesting how things change. You know, it's, it, I, it started out where, they, you know, they wanted more profit sharing and, and, and more, you know, the collective bargain agreement, more money there. And now we're shifting into these crazy rule changes, you know, universal DH. Um, it baffles me that they were able to change the, uh, the the shift. I, I saw the greatest tweet yesterday was a, a a picture of Joey Gallo with the the Texas Rangers, you know, left-handed power hitter that constantly either pounds the ball into the dirt, into the shift, or hits bombs or strikes out. It's about all he can do. And said that had Joey Gallo thinking like he's Barry Bonds. I, I I thought that was great. But I think the thing that's going to be the most talked about item today is going to be Willie Wade and the LSU Tigers, who are about to go. I mean, look, they're, they're fresh off of the Alabama overtime win on Saturday that they played a lot better in than they have the first, you know, the, the, the last couple games prior to that. They're going into an SEC, you know, SEC tournament where they could really make some hay. They could play their way into a four or a five seed. They could fall all the way down to a seven or eight seed. And now you get this notice of allegations coming out that what you know what's going to happen now between these LSU Tigers. I, I think that, that there's so much uncertainty going around right now. What, what do the players think? How are the players going to bounce back from some information like this? And we still don't know who they're going to play in their first-round matchup. They, a couple games starting out tomorrow in the SEC tournament. I, I was just going to be interested to see how it all plays out for Will Wade. It, it feels like we've been talking about this forever. And, and as we mentioned, it's three years ago to the date that the information has dropped. But I think it's been out of sight, out of mind, right? Nobody was talking about it. Everybody was just kind of going around, you know, going through the season. Everybody got really, really excited at one point. You know, what, what's going <laughs> to, when they were playing really well at the beginning of the year, and then all of a sudden, bam, you start playing bad, you get some ne- negative press surrounding the program, and here we are. You know, it's, it, it's real, real interesting. Trey Eason voted first team all SEC today for the LSU Tigers, also voted sixth man of the year, but I think that's going to be overshadowed by the news of Will Wade and these LSU Tigers. Did you get a chance to watch the game on Saturday, James? For LSU versus Bama? Yeah. No, I didn't get to see it. I mean, this was a game that LSU felt like it was back and forth, right? Ping-pong matchup the entire way, and it felt like it was always just out of LSU's reach. And then at the end of the game, they just kind of pulled it together and went on a little bit of a run. So very interesting there that they were able to kind of get some momentum headed into this SEC tournament before that momentum got swept from underneath them as Pat Ford dropped the bomb today that the NCAA gave LSU notice of allegations. And I think this is something that Scott Woodward is, you know, he, he wants to make his, his hay, if you will. He wants to make his say-so at his hire. He was able to do it in baseball. He was able to do it in women's basketball. He was able to do it in football. Will he get his opportunity to make his mark on men's hoops as well? with these allegations that were dropped today. So I think we have a ton of fun still on deck for you. Don't forget, Scott Rabelais at 4.30 is going to join us, and he's going to drop all the LSU knowledge. And then on the second hour, Christian Clark of Nolan Hughes is going to come on, and we'll talk some Pell's hoops. So still a ton of fun to get to, so don't go anywhere as the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Stick right here with us as we got tons more to get to on this wonderful Tuesday afternoon. 
1037 The Game covers all your favorite pro sports teams. Unless it's those dirty birds from Atlanta or the cheer pokes from Big D. Sorry, we do have our standards around here. And that, my friends, is called integrity. That's called courage. I mean, the standards aren't very high, but we do have them. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of. Back to more talk on the pro teams you love on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Guess what's back? Back again is the Hangout Music Festival this summer on Gulf Shores and 1037 The Game Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles has your tickets to this epic weekend of music. You can score our VIP passes by becoming a member of the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Don't miss the return of Hangout Music Fest featuring Post Malone, Halsey, Megan The Stallion, just to name a few. That's Hangout Music Fest, May 20th to 22nd in Gulf Shores, Alabama. Win VIP passes from the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Welcome back in to a Tuesday's edition of Crunch Time. It's playing Viator right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We're talking at the break, James and I, and you, you know, it's been an interesting day in the NFL and the Hoodats, our Saints. They didn't really make a move, right? They, they didn't franchise tag anybody, but doesn't mean that they have a couple of key free agents that they need to possibly sign. Teron Armstead and Marcus Williams, both guys equally as important to this team, both up on contract years. Go head over to the game, Louisiana's Twitter page, and vote right now on the poll topic of the day. Who will the Saints re-sign for next season? Teron Armstead, Marcus Williams, both or neither? And I'm kind of surprised right now, James, if you want to give our folks the update. Yeah, right now we got eight total votes. Five of them are on neither. Three or two of them are on both, and one of them is on Teron Armstead, which really surprises me since, for me personally, if I think one of them, if only one of the two are going to get re-signed, I would personally believe it's Marcus Williams. Really? Because... You don't think it's more of a position of need, though? I, I, I That's what I'm saying. I think it's a, it's a position of need, and not to mention... you. We've been hearing rumblings about maybe Tyron Matthew coming back, but I mean, he's more of a box safety, and that's what Malcolm Jenkins and CD Deuce are already. So you need to fill that free safety position that can stop people over the top in coverage. And I don't, Tyron Matthew at 5'9, and his skill set doesn't really meet that requirement of being that type of safety. Marcus Williams a little longer, could play the center field position. I, I see where you're getting at there. It, it's what, What's the number that he's looking for, though? It, it's for me, it, what kind of value can you get off of the free agent market? we got the NFL draft coming up. Um, the Tyron Matthew talk's interesting because like we talked about in the break, it really doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit. We don't know if they really have a, a, a spot for him, as you mentioned, with, with the two box safeties already in NOLA. Uh, I, I just think folks get excited anytime you get an opportunity. If you get somebody from LSU and a native of New Orleans could come in and play in the black and gold. But I, look, we've got our feelings hurt so many times, right? How many times do we say, oh man, this guy's going to come just this season? Hey, the Saints are going to get Odell. Everybody's fired up. Same, th- <laughs> same thing with Juice Landry. Yeah. But I mean, when you think about it, Juice is also kind of a similar build to Mike. He's not as tall. But they're both wide receivers that 
make their money running the short to intermediate routes. They're not Chain really moves, deep threat. Yeah. Right, right. Those are both guys that go out. They're going to catch you 100 balls. They're going to catch, you know, eight, nine balls a game. That's the kind of guy that they are, but they're not going to stretch the field. That's no, Nobody's pretending to say that's what Mike Thomas does. That's not what Juice does either. Juice Landry's a, a guy he's going to, you know, w- w- he's not slant boy, right? That's not his game, but he's not afraid to go over the middle and get all the tough catches. So, he, uh, he you know, he never fit here in, in NOLA as well as, you know, you already got a guy kind of in that mold. So I, I do think it's interesting, though, that, you know, maybe the Saints just pony up the money and get both guys. I, I think that's still a possibility to say neither, though. I, I really think they're going to put their stake in the ground and get at least one of these guys, if not both. I, I think it's ultimately going to be both because I believe Marcus has more of more value than Toronto is because Toronto's older. He's also been injured a lot, so that body has some wear and tear. And it's like if he's going to command top dollar, which it's I'm not saying he doesn't deserve, but you also have to remember that the Saints only have so much money and they're still in the negatives. They still got to make moves. So to have to pay Marcus potentially ten million, which uh, for top dollar for safety right now is about twelve to thirteen, I believe. He's I mean, not quite there, right? You know, he's not the elite of the elite, but he's on the cusp. He's no, close. but especially with how few safeties there are in this draft and how few there are available, with obviously Tyron Matthew being the top available, he is going to command style, some though. top dollar. But a different style. It is. It is right. definitely a different style. And then Teron Arm said, "Yes, you always want to have good offensive line. You definitely do, especially on the edges, especially a left tackle." But we saw James Hurst be pretty pretty good as a fill-in. And not to mention... You want serviceable or you want Terod Armstead, though? That, that's where I'm at, man. I, I, well, ultimately, look. you're going to see the service half the time anyway because Terod's injured anyway. <laughs> so so you, you don't think he you know he doesn't deserve the, the kind of money he's demanding? No, because if you were to franchise tag him, I believe... Oh, that was too left much tackles, Left tackles way too much money. It's about $18 million. Yeah, yeah. That was, so you, you can't so do that anyway. And even if you want to trade him, I mean, who's to say that people are going to want to trade for that? But I still think he's going to command top dollar in teams like the Bengals or even the Rams with Andrew Whitworth probably going to be gone. I would presume so. I mean, they're going to need a left tackle. Let them fight for that. You can get let, James let Hurst. Get 18, huh? Yeah, let, let him figure that out on his own. You can go get another one in free agency, but like lower tier. You still got Landon Young. You'll have James Hurst probably be the left tackle, but then you also draft one, like I said, in the first round. Because I still say, even though Chris Olave is really interesting and he said he's got a great relationship with Michael Thomas since they're Ohio State boys, I still believe you can still get a quality, really good receiver that can still beat people over the top. You can still get that in the second and third round. Oh, of course. You don't have to spend your first round pick on a wide receiver. It'd be nice, but I'm not it's not a the necessity. Value's not, the, the, the difference in value is not that much. It's, it's not that drastic, right? Where where you know you get a if you're going for offensive line and big uglies, you might want to trade up and grab your guy if that's what you're looking for. And hey, nobody's gonna trade up and draft a safety, right? There, there's very few far between of the absolute studs that go that high in the draft as well. So if you're the Saints, you're staying put or are you trading up? I mean, I would try to trade up if I could. Uh, I believe it's it's very reasonable to go get to trade up between eleven and seventeen since they are the eighteenth pick. It's a lot easier to trade for that. But once you get in the once top ten, to that the, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a little it's it's going to take some more. And I mean, they did get some some comp picks for 
hiring a person of color coach last year and then also losing Trey Hendrickson because of how the cap issue was because of COVID. So that lowered everything. So it forced Saints to make some moves that they necessarily didn't want to have to make, but they had to because of how everything rolled out. So they have an extra third. They have one or two extra thirds and they have an extra fourth. We just don't know exactly what position that is, but they can use that for trade. Leverage, right? Yeah, they can use that as extra capital to go trade up in the draft, which they have done every year since... I forgot the guy's name, but he's been here since 2015, and every year since he's been here, the Saints have traded up at some point in the draft. I, I think that third, fourth round look is where you're going to get that receiver that you want to stretch the field. That, that's what this this offense is really lacking. Um, but you, you got to get somebody to protect the quarterback. If it's going to be Jameis or it doesn't matter who it's going to be, somebody has to be able to protect that guy. And if you don't think it's Teron Armstead, then they're going to have to go out and get somebody. But Plenty of splash news today in the NFL, as we mentioned in the first segment. I mean, Russell Wilson over to the Denver Broncos. You got A. Aaron staying put in Green Bay and, and Devonta Adams, too, as well, staying put. For your money, what, what's the bigger move of the day? Is it the Packers making both of those moves, or is it you know Denver saying, I'm going to get my guy. I feel like we have what it takes to win now, even in that division. We talked about that off air. That division right there, right, stacked, all four teams capable of making a run into the playoffs, but in your opinion, who's the, what move was the greater move today for, for that particular organization? The bigger move personally for me was the fact that Denver actually was able to get that elite quarterback because we've been here for the last few years. Oh, the Denver's just a quarterback away because they've got talented people on, all, on the offensive side and they've got a really good defense. So all they need is that upper echelon of quarterback and they've gotten that now. They did have to trade some people. They did finally get... They got rid of Drew Locke. That's good. It sucks that they had to get no get rid of Noah Fant, but they still have three really good receivers on the outside, and they have Javante Williams. They got rid of Melvin Gordon, so I think they're I'm a huge Javante Williams guy. I love Javante. I I got a, I traded for him toward the back half of the season. I think it was about week twelve before he started really popping off. Led the league in yards after contact last year. Yeah, he yeah, he's, he's a he's a bowling ball. You know, he might not be the speed demon that you're looking for, but he could kind of do it all, right? Catch the ball out the backfield a little bit. He's good and strong in between the tackles. He has excellent balance. But now you get to couple him up with Russell Wilson. Somebody could take a little bit of the pressure off of him. I, I really think he's going to be a guy that's going to just splash onto the scene next year. And he reminds me a lot of Chris Carson, oh. C- Seattle running back. But to me, he's got more of a potential to be better than Chris Carson because Chris Carson was like a nobody we we never really heard much of him but then he started to be like their main back whenever he's not injured so I I think Javante has that ability to be an in-between the tackles guy you could do tosses outside and then you could also just dump the ball off to him and let him hurdle people or just run people over and just break tackles it's really crazy now one of the Twitter rumors that I was not a big fan of that I read over the last couple days is Jimmy G and the Saints possibly flirting a little bit. No, thank you. I feel like that might be more of a smokescreen, no, especially with especially with this trade going down. Obviously, the Broncos have a fit are hundred percent now moving on from Teddy Bridgewater. So I think the two big options right now are either Jameis or Teddy to come back, since they are familiar with the Saints. They are going to be without Sean, but they do have the familiarity, unlike Jimmy J. Jimmy Garoppolo does. I'm still sticking with Jameis. I told you that a week and a half ago over here. I said, I want to stick with with Jameis. I want to see what he can do for a full year. I really think he was kind of starting to come into his own. Um, You know, he he gets always all this heat and hate for all the interceptions he threw over in Tampa. But, man, the guy's a gamer. 
You realize that guy in college lost one game in his college career? I know he had all the drama and all that, but he had some pretty good teams over in Tallahassee, and he led that, you know, wasn't star-studded guys that he was marching down on offense leading that leading that charge. So I, I really love Jameis giving him another chance. No thank you on Jimmy G. I would be okay with Teddy, don't get me wrong, but I think for my money's worth, I want to stick with Jameis. Oh, yeah, I definitely want to stick with the LASIK laser myself. I, and I believed he was the most realistic since, you know, I I never believed Aaron Rodgers. If he was going to move somewhere, it wouldn't have been Denver, but I mostly believed he would just stay there. I didn't think Russ would ultimately get traded. That's what really shocked me. Cause I, but I did at least think that they were going to get a big-time QB. I, I just thought Deshaun might have gone there, but I also did believe, because we've been hearing some stuff about Deshaun, like if everything's good, the Panthers have made some some calls about that but people have also been calling about Christian McCaffrey that's what's interesting yeah we'll talk more about Mr. Plead the Fifth a little bit later on this show but what we have to do is we have to take a quick break because on the other side Scott Rabelais of the Advocates going to join us I'm going to talk all things LSU hoops baseball football all right here on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana Sports Station 7 The Game covers all your favorite college teams. Unless you root for the Aggies or willingly cheer on whatever the hell Auburn is. Seriously. Plainsmen? War Eagles? Tigers? What the hell are they? I gotta be honest with you. I'm a little confused there, Sasquatch. Back to more talk on the college teams you love. The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The toughest monster truck tour is coming to the Cajun Dome on March 18th and 19th. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station wants to hook you up with a family four-pack of tickets. Just text Bigfoot to 68683 for a chance to see the best monster trucks in the world, including the iconic Bigfoot. Once again, text B-I-G-F-O-O-T to 68683 for a chance to score a family four-pack of tickets to see the toughest monster truck tour at the Cajun Dome. Welcome back into Crunch Time right here on 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We're going to head out right quick to the game hotline and bring on Scott Rabelais of The Advocate, who we get to talk about all the hot news that just dropped. Scott, how goes it on this Tuesday afternoon? Oh, the head's spinning a little bit, I have to say. (laughs) (laughs) hope you guys are doing all right. Of course. Well, what you're referring to about an hour and a half ago, Pat Ford of Sports Illustrated dropped the bomb that LSU received notice of allegations against Will Wade in this LSU basketball program. Just your first initial thoughts. This is three years in the making, and we're finally receiving notice of allegations. That's right. This has gone to that, that special committee the NCAA set up to deal with more complex cases and they've been they've been widely criticized for uh for, for moving very slowly uh but uh you know, the report is correct and then i know a lot of people around here are not big fans of pat 40 uh and think he's got an axe to grind with lsu but he is a good reporter and i i feel confident if he's he's reporting that the lsu's received this the noa that they that they've received the noa so but uh, there's a long way to go to to resolve this. Uh, it's just uh, it's just a um, it's just the first step in, in this whole process. Yeah, yeah, and no one seems to know, you know, what what the allegations contain. And else, she's certainly not saying. And uh, it's just uh, obviously the timing of it coming right on the doorstep of the postseason is 
is interesting to say the least. I, I think it's I think it's premeditated on the NCAA's part, quite frankly. Three years ago, LSU, a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction, right? Suspends Will Wade, uh, only to reinstate him later in the year. But uh, is that something that you think they look at doing again? As you mentioned, you know, we're knocking on the door of postseason basketball. The SEC tournament starts just this week. It's a great question. It's a very valid question. I mean, anything's possible. Will Wade got suspended three years ago, uh, you may recall, because LSU said, okay, come talk to us about these things. And he, in advice of his attorney at the time, said, no, don't say anything. And they're like, well, you're not going to coach us again until you do. And then, of course, they didn't finally reach that agreement until well after the postseason ended. Of course, LSU got well, they went one and done in the SEC tournament. They reached the Sweet 16 in the NCAA tournament. It was April, uh, mid-April, before they finally uh, reached some kind of you know agreement and they, you know redid this contract and all that. So anything's possible. I I, I don't I don't think so at this point. I I think based on what we know now. He'll be allowed to coach in the SEC tournament, which LSU will play Thursday, and in the NCAA tournament, so they'll play next Thursday or Friday. Uh, I don't think they're going to be banned from the tournament. I don't think it's in the NCAA tournament. I don't, I don't think they're going to forego their appearance or anything like that. But uh, oh my, it's going to be going to be an interesting time wherever the wherever the Tigers wind up. Well, still a lot to play for, right? Especially going into this SEC tournament. I mean, you see some folks saying they could play themselves all the way into a four seed. You know, you could maybe fall to an eight or nine. Ultimately, how do you think this thing shakes up for LSU after the SEC tournament? You know, LSU goes into the tournament as the five seed uh, in the SEC tournament, and and, uh, they're in like a five-way tie at nine and nine. So I, I think LSU's a lot like a lot of teams out there uh, in the SEC and in other conferences. Uh, they they've got their good points and their good moments, and they've got some some uh, losses. And it makes you wonder, you know, how consistent a team they can be. I thought they in Alabama, who LSU beat and got a little built a little momentum from that on on Saturday, are very similar teams. You know, they've had some good wins and they've had some bad ones, some bad losses, and uh, or a lot of losses. LSU's actually LSU's lost to a lot of good teams uh, in the SEC, and and uh, you know lost that TCU wasn't too bad either. So I, I think they're a pretty, you know, pretty slightly above average team that's going to make the, the tournament. They're going to be a slightly above average seed. Uh, you know, I suppose if they ran all the way to the turn to, to the tournament title, they could they could get themselves into a protective seed category, which would be like you know a number four as you as you mentioned. The problem with that, of course, it went to the final last year, but they had to play three games in three days. This is this would be four games in four days because they didn't get the double bye. So, I think um, I see LSU getting a win over Missouri or Ole Miss, and then getting a loss to Arkansas, and then going to the NCAA tournament, and getting a first round win, and getting a loss, and being done. And then we're really going to focus on what the future is with with uh, for Will Wade and this program after that. So, n- n- nothing bad. Nothing great. I think people were hoping for greatness, obviously, after that 15 and one start. And then, of course, you had the injury to Xavier Pinson, and and some of their some of their issues really came to roost. The effect that you know they're not a not a very good offensive team, and and uh, you, that that's been been a problem for them you know, in a lot of their losses. But uh, I think they're a pretty good team, and just uh, they, they could have been a lot better if Adam Miller had been able to play. But uh, of course, uh, he has not been able to play all year, and that's a shame. You probably have someone who's a 16, 17, 18 point a game score could have really helped him out a lot, and they'd have a much better record if he'd played. And Will Wade, he kind of just kind of relishes that opportunity to be the villain, right? He, he kind of likes that spotlight. 
Um, it, it seems to play right into him, right? Going into postseason play, you know, maybe he, he utilizes this as a, a master motivator for for his squad. And, you know, this team's probably a couple guards away from really being able to make some noise, kind of like you mentioned. But uh, do you think at all this is an opportunity for Will Wade to really just put this thing on his back and try to make a run at it? Well, you know, I, yeah, I think you're also. I don't think he has much choice, right? <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think Will Wade is uh, is too many people's favorite. In fact, uh, I was told Sheldon Nichols, our, our our basketball beat writer, the advocate, he, he goes to the coaches' show every week, and Will was talking about some of the conference tournaments and stuff like that. And he said, you know, this team is playing that team, so I, I really can't lose. I said, he said the guy, uh, this uh, this school, the the two, you know, like two of my three friends in, in college coaching, you know, <laughs> he was making this joke at his own expense, you know, but uh, yeah, yeah. The LSU's wore the black hat throughout the, it seems the entire Will Wade tenure, even going back to his very first season. Remember that, that rather, you know, rather ugly game with, with, with the Cajuns and you know, the NIT over here at the PMAC, right? Uh, I, I thought he and the, the, the coach from UL were going to come to blows <laughs> at one point. And so, uh, yeah, it, it, they've always kind of worn, worn the black hat. And, and I, I think uh, I think they'll be uh, – when Elsie takes the court uh, on Thursday, there'll be people um, shaking car keys and flashing cash and <laughs> booing. And, you know, and yeah, they, they better embrace it because it's, uh, it's definitely, it's definitely uh, the situation that they've kind of cultivated for themselves and for himself. So uh, I think it's going to be that way. However much longer we'll wait as the coach at LSU, whether it's a few more games or a few more seasons. Seems like forever and ago that we'll wait, call timeout in the PMAC just to enjoy it a little bit longer against the Cajuns. Uh, you know, looking at Scott <laughs> yeah. Woodward, he uh, he was able to make splash hires in, in women's basketball, in baseball, and in football. Is he looking to make his mark on basketball as well? Do you think he tries to move away quickly from this thing as soon as the season's over? Well, that that's one of the biggest questions in this whole issue, isn't it? Obviously, uh, uh, Will Wade was hired by Joe Oliva, uh, uh, Scott's predecessor, uh, who who later said in an interview with me, "I got some bad uh, advice on that guy." He was regretting it after all this NCAA stuff had come out. He was, I think, he had some buyer's remorse in terms of hiring Will Wade, uh, which is a very rare and candid kind of comment from an athletic director, even a former one. Um, so, so Scott is not his guy. He's not tied to him. And he has not made many public comments. But Scott is a very cagey politician. I will read you a quote uh, from Scott Woodward from back in 2019. Um, he is our coach and has our support and backing, and it will be that way until it is not. I hope he's our coach for a long time, but things change and minds change. We can go around and around for hours, but right now he is our basketball coach. And I think it's still right now with Scott Woodward and, and Will Wade. I think they waited to see what would happen, what the allegations are going to be, if any. And apparently, if, if they're they're here, um, uh, I think uh, I think Scott Woodward, uh, yeah, yeah. To, to to sum up what you what you're asking, yeah, I think you know, he's shown he wants to hire his his guy or his or his uh, female coach in terms of like Kim Mulkey, and he's made the yeah. You yeah. like when is Scott Scott going to make some hires? Well, he's he in the last year, he, boom, Kim Mulkey, boom, Jay Johnson, boom, Brian Kelly. Uh, you know, three of the four big sports. The only one left is men's basketball. So, you know, take that for what you will. Yeah, he sure has an opportunity to leave his mark. Let's switch gears a little bit and talk about Brian Kelly and those fighting Tigers from the gridiron. Uh, yesterday they went out and they got, you know, a quarterback. Not not many folks thought that they were looking to do that. You know, you, you had Miles Brennan, you had Garrett Nussmeyer, you had uh, Walker Howard, all in that quarterback room 
yet they went out and got Jaden Daniels from Arizona State. Came a surprise to a lot of folks. What, what say you about that LSU quarterback room now? Well, yeah, boy, how things have changed, right? From from the from the Texas Bowl, you know, two months ago, they're playing a wide receiver at quarterback, a convert, a, you know, high school quarterback, but a converted wide receiver at quarterback because Garrett Nussmeyer didn't want to lose the red shirt, and Max Johnson had transferred to, to Texas A and M. Now Miles Brennan has come back, Garrett's still there. They've signed Walker Howard, who who is you know was a mid year enrollee, and now they're bringing in Jaden Daniels and. Uh, yeah, you know, you know. Well, they say the old saying, right? Iron sharpens iron. I think it's the case. I mean, think this coaching staff. Look, they're not beholden to anybody. I mean, if if anybody, you know, they have a little, you know, um, a, a little, you know, sentimentality for Walker Howard. But they didn't recruit him the whole time. You know, Walker Howard was probably going to come to LSU no matter who the coaching head coach was or who, the, who was on the coaching staff, or a very good chance he would have. So. Um, and, and and he's you know he could redshirt. I mean he's he's a you know he's a he's a freshman you know, just just out of high school. So he could redshirt, and I don't think he would that would be bothersome to him. But you have Garrett Nussmeyer has got a little little experience. You have Miles Brennan who's got a, a you know a, a little experience but a long shelf life. And all this, I mean he backed up uh, Danny Etling for goodness sake. Uh, <laughs> and then you have Jaden Daniels who's been a starter. Uh, you know he's got lots more actually uh, you know practical experience than any of those guys. And I also think of something Mike Denbrock, the new offensive coordinator under Brian Kelly, came here from Cincinnati, talked about liking uh, you know a dual threat quarterback, and I think Jaden Daniels is more of that than the other guys. The other guys have mobility, you know. You know don't you know? Don't get me wrong, but he's he's proven that to be that kind of quarterback on the college level. So I'm not saying he will be the guy. I, I, I just maybe it's maybe it's familiarity. I still think. You know, if you had to tell me who's ask me who's going to be take the first snap against Florida State in the Superdome, it's going to be Miles Brennan. But uh, certainly got a lot more interesting, and, and uh, the competition is keen. And, and look, that's what they they come here to do. Yeah, Brian Kelly is not coming here to to play favorites or to placate anyone or, or anything like that. Yeah, they convinced Miles Brennan to come back, but I don't think there's anything promised that that he's definitely going to be the guy. And uh, the competition has just got keener and. Um, LSU, you would think, in the end, should benefit from it. Scott, I appreciate the time as always, my man. I hope you have a great day. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Scott Rabelais joining us right there of The Advocate, breaking down all things LSU. He had some interesting comments. Will Wade, I think Scott Woodward's just – He's almost salivating that he might get an opportunity to kind of make his mark on this LSU basketball program. And then the thing with Jane Daniels, I think he's – Correct. Iron sharpens irons, but it's also refreshing, right? They're going to bring in guys, and they're not scared of competition. They're not scared if somebody's going to leave. You know, it'll just make the whole team better. You know what else will be better? We still got a whole nother hour to go, plus one segment, so don't go anywhere. Stick right here with the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We love talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yep. Sounds like we were meant to be together, or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, wants to give you a chance to score the ultimate crawfish ball. Brought to you by J&J Exterminating, Kramer Equipment, and Cody's Crawfish. You can win two sacks of live crawfish, a pot and a burner, an ice chest, a tumbler, 
chairs, and a $500 Visa gift card. I mean, this is just the whole package, and not to mention tickets to an Astros game. Sign up today for the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com so you can score the ultimate crawfish bowl from J&J Exterminating, Kramer Equipment, Cody's Crawfish, and the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. And we're right back at it on Crunch Time. Last segment of the first hour, and we've having so much fun. Scott Rabelais just joined us, and we broke down a lot about LSU. And we're going to continue that LSU train going right here, switch up a little bit of the sports side, though, and talk some Jay Johnson and LSU baseball, who went 1-2 and two on the weekend over at Minute Maid, making 10 errors along the way. It's just so frustrating. Look, this is a team we knew they were going to be able to hit the baseball. I came on this show, uh, what, 10 days ago or so, and I, I wasn't too worried about the errors at that point. Okay, I'm pressing the panic button. I'm now worried about the errors, and I'm tired of sacrificing defense for offense. Look, I, I'm sure Jacob Berry, is a, he's, a, he's a fine player. He might hit 20 bombs this year. Time to get him off the field. Put him at the DH spot. You can't have that liability anymore. Josh Thompson, the hero on Friday night when LSU was able to walk off Oklahoma in extra innings. He had an absolute bomb over the train track in Minute Maid Park. I don't care. You can't throw the ball to Trey Morgan at first base. I don't need you. I need guys that can make the routine plays and get LSU out of these holes they continue to build themselves in. I think that Jay Johnson, look, Paul Maneri was famous for tinkering with lineups and making like almost wholesale shifts, right? I think we almost need to see that. Even if you don't intend to stick with it, you need to kind of make your mark. Put your stick in the mud, if you will, and say, this is what we're going to do going forward. We could score runs, and we, we're, we're almost one and two in almost every major category in the SEC hitting the baseball. That's not going to be an issue for these fighting Tigers on the diamond. But until you could stop teams and quit making errors, it's going to be a problem. Mr. Merrifield at third base, I don't need you if you're going to make the errors. Let's go ahead and put our best defense out there, get guys some more at-bats. You know, we don't know if guys can't have quality at bats if we don't give them opportunities. If you're going to go ahead and spot start these guys, give these guys some opportunity. Tigers were looking to get off the skid tonight against McNeese Cowboys. That game has been postponed. First pitch will now be tomorrow against the Cowboys from the Lake Chuck area over at 630. That game could be heard right here on 1037 The Game Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles pregame starting at 6 o'clock. Look, even if you have to sacrifice Joe Bear, who's been – dynamite at the DH spot ever since Cade Beloso got hurt on opening night. Never look back. Guy's been tremendous at that spot. There might not be room for him because they might need to put Barry there and then have other guys, better defenders, you know, some the Giacomos of the world play out in the field to get this LSU team kind of uh, get their heads out of their behind. It, it, it's been very frustrating. We knew pitching was going to be some sort of an issue, but pitching – has been serviceable at times. They, they've been decent enough. They played decent enough to win all weekend. Pitching was good enough to win all weekend. You can't make 10 errors and blame pitching. You know, we, we need guys to come in and, and give us more of a presence in the field on defense. James, I'm all about offense. I love the fireworks. I, I love to set it off. But at the end of the day, I don't want to play 10-8 baseball. Let's get back to playing Tigers baseball, you know, I'm okay with scoring five runs, winning five to two, five to one. I don't need to see ten errors over the course of a weekend. Yeah, that's tough. I, I didn't even think 
like the likelihood of getting five errors in a game was possible. I could understand one, two, three if you're just really having a bad night, but five? Twice last week, five. Like that's that's it went up to Rustin. Yeah, put up against five LA Tech. Yeah, yeah they that put was up five spot on errors that night as well. That is not good. And the fact that you can't even do these routine type of plays like getting it to first, that worries me. And, and if you can't put it in Trey Morgan's just vicinity, look, he, he had a couple errors last week. Make no mistake about it. It was all bad, but he's been dynamite. Put the ball in his vicinity to let him make the play. Some of these balls that Jordan Thompson, Maryfield's throwing across the diamond, he can't even make those plays. No routine plays, you know? So I, I, I'm, I'm beyond frustrated. I'm sure Jake Johnson's frustrated. We have to see improvement from the Tigers, and it's going to have to start tomorrow night. Uh, look, SEC plays looming. They have a couple tune-up weekends in between, but they're going to have to get it together quickly. They, they've shown that they can hit the baseball, and they've been pretty good. Dylan Cruz has been great. Barry's been really good with the bat. Of course, Trey Morgan's just tremendous. But at the end of the day, you got to quit shooting yourself in the foot. We'll see if they can get it together. There's still time. They're still plenty talented enough. And if you saw, you know, they fell in the polls a bit. But pollsters, sports writers, coaches, they all still think the world of these Tigers and still think of an opportunity. What we're going to do is we're going to go to a quick break, but then don't go anywhere. We still got a ton of fun on the other side. We're going to talk about Saints some more. We're going to talk about Bob Marlin and the Cajuns. We're going to talk some Pels. Still so much fun to have. So stick right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're now listening to Crunch Time. No hot takes, no gimmicks. You love sports, he lives them. So buckle up your chin straps because it's time to wrap up your workday with Crunch Time. Welcome back into number two, hour two of two. I'm Blaine Vietar, guest hosting today on Crunch Time right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And of course, the man who keeps us all in line, James Mesh behind the glass. If you dare want to see our beautiful mugs, you can head over to 32.3 Stadium Network or 133 on LUS Fiber. And if you want to have even more fun, you could jump in and join us in on the fun and call us up on the game hotline, 337-706-0111. And we've been having a lot of fun on Twitter in the break, Mr. James Mesh and I. And we have our poll question up there. Who do you think the Saints are going to sign this offseason? Teron Armstead, Marcus Williams, both or neither. And it's getting pretty pretty interesting, though. There's some, some Saints guys out there just having a lot of fun with the possibility of Tyron Matthew. Yeah, that's right. The Honey Badger joining the black and gold over in NOLA to see if they could get some run with the St. Aug alum, LSU alum, and New Orleans native. Wouldn't that be something? James, somebody wants to play? Yeah, we got T on the hotline. T, my man. How goes it, dude? Good, and you, B? Oh, I can't complain, man. It's not Monday. It's Tuesday, so we're, we're, we're trending in the right direction, T. You're right. Huh? How's that dog, man? Oh, man, Gert's doing great. I told Gert you had, you had asked about her a couple Fridays ago, and she was appreciative of that. Well, great. Tell her <laughs> I said, hey, when you get home, man. What hey, else look, is on your mind today, T? I, well, I got two questions for you. And I'll hang up and listen out. Who do you think our starting rotation will be at LSU for baseball, 
And what do you think about the Jaden Daniels uh, transfer? I'll hang up and listen, Ben. Look, y'all have a good show, man. Thanks. Hey, I appreciate you as always. I, I'll go ahead and tackle the first question first, and that's a tough one, right? I think Blake Money's penciled in. He's going to be your, you know, he, he's going to be your Friday night guy. He's been really good so far this season. If not for the errors, he might have been damn good. I mean, he's been tremendous being that Friday night guy for LSU, sporting a .44 ERA. He's a guy that I, I the, the way he's grown in this offseason has been tremendous. After that, it gets pretty, pretty fuzzy. Um, I think LSU can go a number of ways. I don't think they're very comfortable with anything. I, I think what we saw this weekend gives them even more pause for concern. I think uh, when the dust settles, though, I think they're going to go back to Malik Hilliard, but I think he's going to be the Sunday guy. I would love to see Will Helmers get an opportunity to pitch on Saturday. I love what he brought to the table a year ago. Garrett Edwards was a guy who's just not coming back quite like they wanted to from injury. I think for my money, I like to see Blake money on Friday night, followed by Will Helmers and then Hilliard being your Sunday guy. Is that a rotation that gives you a lot of warm and fuzzies? No, it's not. And we knew it wasn't going to be a rotation that LSU made its hay on. We knew they were going to do that with the sticks this year. We just knew that going into the year that pitching wasn't going to be a strong suit, especially starting frontline pitching for LSU. I think they you know, leverage guys. I think they leaned on. Devin Fontenot, he hasn't been as crisp as they'd liked. I like what I saw out of Trent Ventmeyer this weekend. Holy smokes, where did that come from? You know, they hardly used him all season long. Comes in this weekend, I thought he gave him some good innings out of the bullpen. Um, closer role, I mean, they hadn't been in many opportunities to have to come out and throw a closer. So I think that's still um, up for grabs as well. I, I really I really do like uh some other arms there, but I don't think there's really a whole lot what I saw that says, you know, like, this is going to be the guy for me. Um, it'll be interesting, though. You know, we got a couple weekends until he really has to make some some tough decisions. Um, um, An arm I liked out of the bullpen, too, is Dutton. I don't want to let that go by. I thought Dutton was really good this uh this weekend as well. As far as Jaden Daniels, look, he brings a different skill set than any other quarterback on this roster. You heard Scott Rabelais tell you that in the last hour. I think the closest skill set to him on the roster currently was Walker Howard. I think Garrett Nussmeyer is more of a you know a guy who, who can run, but he's more of a gunslinger. I think what Jaden Daniels does is give you more electricity from the quarterback position, lets you throw in some zone read stuff, lets you he, he can extend plays and he's looking to run as well as throw. I, I think he gives you a different element. Might see a little bit more of that that offense that that's been brought down from Cincinnati. I think he's the kind of quarterback that fits that mold. I, I like all iron sharpens iron. Don't get me wrong. Miles Brennan can't stay out of his own way. He's been injured or in some sort of funk ever since he's been at LSU. He started out on fire, right? And first opportunity to start, but then he gets hurt, and then hadn't been back since. So uh, I think that uh, I I go against Rabelais. I I think if it's for me, I think they brought Jaden Daniels in for a reason. I think he fits the offense that Brian Kelly wants to run down here. I think he takes the first snap over in Caesars Caesars Palace Superdome in in week one against the Florida State Seminoles on Labor Day weekend. James, we got more guys that want to play along? Yeah, we got James on the hotline. James! How are you today on this Tuesday? I'm fine. How about yourself, sir? Can't complain, man. Hey, I wanted to comment on the poll question in the Saints. Yeah. I voted neither, but I think it's not for lack of trying. 
I just think there's too many desperate teams out there that will overpay for those two positions. So I think those two guys are good as gone, and we need to work some of that Saints magic they always seem to be able to do in that second to sixth round and, and, and draft in some young studs and do a little rebuild on the front line. So you'd rather keep those picks and not trade up in the first round? I'd, I'd rather not. I, I think that they've shown a history of being really good at finding those guys in the second to sixth round and, and go after some key uh, free agents. It's hard, overpay. To, it's hard to argue that. I mean, the, the free agents, they're going to have to, you know, tackle the offensive line as well as the safety spot, you know, especially if they lose both of those guys. Is there anybody that really just tickles your fancy out there in the free agent world? Uh, not really. I mean, uh, you know, you guys touched on it with the honey badger and all, but I, I think we just need to get some of those workmen in there. And the offense is going to get retooled. I could see him drafting a big fullback. It's an extra blocker. Nobody does that anymore. It makes up for a lot of offensive line stuff blocking tight ends. I think there's going to be a little shift in the New Orleans offense. We're not going to recognize it. Well, James, I appreciate the call, my man. I, I could see them doing that. I could see them passing on both those guys, keeping the change to move around for some other free agents as well as utilizing those picks. I know James talked about, James Mesh talked about maybe trading up in the first round, you know, maybe not all the way inside the top 10, but moving a couple of those extra picks that they got to move up into you know that 12 to 13 range. If there's a guy they want to go get, go up and get your guy to make difference on this team. Um, I, I, I want to go back and talk about what's been going on in the Twitter machine, though, James. I, I think uh, you and I had some fun at the break. There was some a lot of chatter back and forth with the Honey Badger. You, you want to share that with us? Yeah, big CD Deuce been uh, adding Tyron Matthew for a little bit. So- uh, one of them, he said, might as well break the news, come back to the crib, give him seven. And then he co- and then Tyron had commented, my boy. And then CD replied under that saying, I'm going to DM you my number. So it's getting a little interesting. I don't I don't know if this is like legit, legit, but because I know CD's been doing this before and so has Cam and everybody else trying to recruit. But this one's, I don't know, it just seems a little different. The fact that like, I know Von Miller's been teasing the Broncos, saying like, "Hmm, should I wear forty or fifty-eight back in Denver?" <laughs> saying like, oh, "I'm going to come back to the Broncos," but it, it, I don't know. It's it's interesting. Do you think Tyron's actually going to come? Man, I, that is pretty interesting. You know that getting out there and recruit—that's almost like college-esque, right? You know how the college kids and in the class they usually go on Twitter and they're all DM, DMing each other, big group chats and whatnot. I, I mean, I I kind of agree with you a little bit. You know, Tyron doesn't you know, fit that mold of a Marcus Williams where he could kind of play the, you know, center field spot anymore. That was his game at one point, but that's not really where he's at now. Um, you know, does he add just another layer to, to already strong safety spot that already has two really good guys in that in that spot? Or is he a guy that can come in and make a difference in his homeland, right? Bring it to the crib. Where the number seven? Man, I think all of Louisiana would be excited for that move. I think everybody would love it, and the thing is, you would have a lot of safeties, but one thing that you could do is, I mean, he is a box safety, and he likes to play near the line. He likes to play up on his man or whenever he's rushing, but what you could also do is, if Quan is going to be gone, you could not necessarily line him up at linebacker, but you could put him more towards the middle with DeMario and still have Pete come in and not have him be that second-year guy that plays 100% of the time, but he could play not as much that way. It's not a, as much of a burden on him. You would have to probably get P.J. Wil- you would have to 
get P.J. Williams to be that free safety to play over the top, which you don't feel as confident about since you will be without Marcus. But it would be nice over the middle. That way you have Tyron and DeMario locking that up. Well, Badger's going to command more money than Marcus, right? I would presume so. He's still 29, which surprised me. I thought he was 30 or like 31, 32 hey at this man. point. Hey, man. He's been in the league for a while. Is 30 old? I mean, for in football. Fo- okay, in football. Right. I just want to make football. sure. Hey, you got to kind of watch yourself back there, man. <laughs> You're just starting to grow hair on your face. I think Tyron Matthews still has some trade on the tires. I think he's still a ball hawk. He can still get the job done. I just don't know if he fits in this defense. Now, what he would do is get a lot of excitement around this Saints organization, around this team and the city. Boy, it would be fun to go into the Superdome, watch that guy put on that number seven, and just ball out. As a, as a Tiger fan and, and, and you know somebody from Louisiana, you've you got to be pretty excited about that. We would have to make Taysom change his number, though. You would have you would have to get rid of Taysom. You letting ch- Taysom call shots here? Come on, man. No, I'm just saying <laughs> he did. A, he does that first dibs. He does. He does. He's been here for five years. He sure does. So that's an interesting take though from James calling in saying neither. You use that money somewhere else. I kind of tend to agree with him. I mean, if you're gonna go up, if you're gonna trade up, you damn well better have your guy circled and go and get him. You better not trade up for a guy you kind of uh, kind of on the fence about. You better go up and get somebody you know that's gonna contribute day one. If not, hey, you get somebody good at 19. Then you can turn around and get quality depth in the second, third, and fourth round. You mentioned getting that receiver, stretch the field. That's prime, prime opportunity to get somebody right in that wheelhouse, second, third, fourth round. I, I think the thing that concerns me still is offensive lineman. You say he's always hurt, Teron Armstead. Okay, he's always hurt. But when he plays, pretty damn good. Oh, yeah, he's top five. Pretty damn but good when he plays. I would say – the with what James was talking about earlier is don't trade up. For me, if you aren't able to get the guys that you want during free agency, you will need to trade up like how they did in twenty twenty and like twenty nineteen, where they traded up to get the specific guys that they wanted instead of in in previous in some different drafts where you just see them sit there for the most part and just kind of take best available like they did with Peyton Turner. They just waited and was like, well, we'll just take the best available on our board. Well, if you're not able to get specific guys in free agency and you you have some holes that you need to fill and you need some gamers, you will have to probably trade up a couple of times to go get those specific guys that you really like in those specific spots. That way you feel a little more comfortable because you're going to need people that are going to be instant, instant people that can make an impact. Yeah, look, Mickey Loomis has proved that he can do that, right? He can go get his guys, and he, he kind of operates that way. It's going to be the first draft we have without Sean Payton, though. So how they're going to operate like that. Him and Mickey worked really good together. It's going to be interesting. I, I think uh, it, it, this, this football talk just got me jazzed up, man. I want to press the fast-forward button, get over to August, strap up those those helmets, and, and hear the pads pop. I'm pretty fired up for that. I Always get excited when we could talk football. But what we are going to talk on the backside of this break are Raging Cajuns. We're going to talk a little bit of basketball. Nice run that they made in the Sun Belt Tournament. Is it enough? Maybe. Is it enough for Bob Marlin to keep his job? Also going to talk some Raging Cajuns baseball. So don't go anywhere. Stick it right here. We have more to come right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. March 8, 2002. New Orleans trades running back Ricky Williams to Miami 
for a first-round selection in the 2002 draft and a conditional third-round selection in 2003. The first-round pick would end up being Charles Grant. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, man, one of the things that I love about betting on my favorite sports is that I'm always finding new player props or game props that I like. And what's cool about FanDuel Sportsbook is you can combine prop bets from multiple games and now even multiple sports. It's called Same Game Parlay Plus, and you can only find them on FanDuel. You can combine NBA player props you love with your favorite NHL scores for a chance to score an even bigger payout. If you don't want to build your own Same Game Parlay, check out their popular Same Game Parlay section where you can join the bets others are joining in on. Last month, over 14,000 customers won a total of $1.1 million during the Bucks at Lakers games. And I'm looking at one of these parlays, which is looking at the Pell since they play tonight. I like this one. It's CJ McCollum to have three plus threes, Brandon Ingram to have 20 plus points, Jaron Jackson to have at least four rebounds, and John Morant to score 30 plus. I'm liking that a lot. And if you're new to FanDuel, you can sign up with promo code KLWB to get your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. So make every moment more and download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. Just use promo code KLWB so they know that I sent you. You must be 21 or older and present in Louisiana. First online real money wager only. Refund issues non-withdrawable site credit that expires in seven days. Restrictions do apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and would like some help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Right back in to segment number two of our number two on a Tuesday edition of Crunch Time. I'm Blaine Vietar, filling in today, having a good time with all you folks around Acadiana and the Lake Chuck area. My man James Mesh has been behind the glass. Just kind of keep us in line, make sure we steer straight of all the bad stuff. Appreciate him for that. We're going to talk a little bit of Raging Cajuns now, who just finished an unprecedented run to the finals of the Sun Belt Tournament, where I think a lot of people just kind of had them out to dry, you know, went out and beat the number four seed in the round one, then beat the number one seed round two before falling to a hot Georgia State team. We got a little bit of sound from Coach Bob Marlin about how hot Georgia State was. You know, it's funny. We ran a play to start the game, and we were debating as a staff which one of these guys we wanted to make a three first. And I told him we need both of them to make a three because it's important to get off to a good start. Allen had a big game last night. He got them off to a good start. We lost them a couple of times in transition and weren't weren't there to close on the touch. But, yeah, the three-point game right there was one of our goals. They make 10, we make six. It's 12 points. We lose by nine. Yeah. And they made free throws too. So tough to, to win. When you get behind like that and teams get hot from behind the arc. And the Cajuns, though, didn't quite do themselves any favors, though. They shard a couple guys. Coach Bob Marlin touches on that. See how he felt about it. We're, we're very excited, and we expect to, to be back next year fighting for a championship. You know, We had to play an extra game this year in the tournament. I think that was good for us. We got on a roll. I don't think we were – we may have been mentally tired today, but physically I thought we were okay. I really did. And, and – uh you know, this tournament, we lose our second leading score in all-conference player in Kobe Julian the last game of the regular season. We don't have him this week. And then Brian A.U.'s been a starter for us for a while. We don't have him. You're missing two starters. And that hurt us a little bit, but I'd say our guys responded. I thought we played well, and, and uh, these two guys especially have really come through in the last three weeks of the season. 
It's been a year that's been kind of up and down for the Cajuns. You know, they started out pretty bad. Uh, a lot of people were, were hollering for, for Bob Marlin. And uh, look, he, he turned it around, though. They started to play a little bit better about mid, mid-season then got a little, you know, pl- played a little bit worse down the stretch. But they put it together when it mattered. And he talked about just how proud he was of this team and the run they made in the Sun Belt Conference Tournament. I told him I was very proud of them. They fought. Uh, we've had a great run. We'd won six of seven coming into this game and just continue to work. You know, their group stayed together. We lost a couple of guys. They stayed together and to win it. And then when it got to the stage, they played very well. So just to, to be pride, prideful in, in the way they played and then make sure that we get back to work when we get home. They get back to work and they already know, look, they're, they're, the fate's sealed. They, they're not going to play postseason basketball, but awfully proud for the way they showed out. They had a lot of people – fired up about them over the last you know day or so or a couple days so the, the way they marched through this tournament and really played unprecedented no, nobody expected it to come into it and just kind of ran into a buzz saw and that kind of happens play that extra game as he mentioned it, it kind of takes a lot out of you uh physically you know mentally they're sharp but man you, you got playing without two starters especially two caliber starters like they didn't have and it, it kind of it it, you know, it kind of just fell on its head right there at the end. But to battle back and to play like like they did, he has to be awfully, awfully proud of them. Turn our attention now to baseball side of the Raging Cajuns. Coach Diggs and company started out the season really good. I mean, they, they played UC Irvine, number 14 team in the land right here at the Teague, winning, you know, three out of four games, again, excuse me, two out of three games, and then turned around and beaten Southeastern in extra innings, had a lot of momentum going their way. Then they went to, you know, the Carbock Round Rock Classic. Say that a couple times, James. Played a bunch of good squads over there. Two ranked teams in the top five didn't fall their way. Rebounded nicely, though, against Northwestern State last week with a couple midweek wins before facing a really good Southern Miss team that's, Always, always competitive over at the Teague this past weekend and dropping two out of three. Competitive in every game, though. Battled every single game. Tonight's ball game, though, against Louisiana Tech, postponed over in Ruston, Louisiana. You know how good that La Tech team is. Really put it out to LSU last week in the midweek. That game's going to be postponed. No word yet on the makeup date. Tomorrow, though, they're going to travel to face the privateers of New Orleans. 6.30 first pitch. You can check that out before the Cajuns return home. And another, another formidable foe. They're going to play the Houston Cougars this weekend over at the Teague. That's another program that's really good just year in and year out. Still a lot to be excited about the Cajuns. This is a team that really, I think, caught everybody by surprise week one when they won two out of three against nationally ranked UC Irvine. I think that really opened a lot of folks' eyes to see what kind of team this Cajuns we're going to be this year. Since then, it's 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 been a little bit rocky, but they, they can still right the ship, and they got another opportunity this weekend against a good Houston Cougars team. But battling back last weekend after you know just a, a tough performance in that Round Rock Classic, as we mentioned, to lose three, uh, two out of three, excuse me, to Southern Miss after winning that Friday night. Seems like they got the Friday night thing going though, right? couple weeks ago against Stanford, they were formidable, had good pitching, lost 5-1 in that matchup. 
rebounded against a Friday night starter. You know, everybody got a dude, right, in college baseball. Everybody's going to strut out somebody that could that could go ahead and grind out innings on the mound. Cajuns were able to beat the ace of Southern Miss a week ago. And it feels like Blake Money's their guy for LSU, but it's starting to feel like Tommy Ray is starting to be that Friday night guy for the Cajuns. I, I think he has to be, right? He, he showed up every week so far and and balled out, right? He's going to shove with the best of them. He's going to be like you talked about everybody got a dude. It's going to be Tommy Ray for the UL, I believe. I believe so, too. I mean, I know last Friday whenever I went to the game, post-game, Coach Dex had talked about Tommy wasn't really throwing a lot of strikes. He was he was kind of making Southern Miss guys. He was making them kind of reach for those. So I'm to me, even though he wasn't throwing a lot of strikes, he was still manipulating the game and doing it how he wanted to and was forcing them to take swings that maybe they weren't necessarily comfortable with, but they felt like they needed to take. And that's what Friday night guys do, James. They don't have their best stuff, but they grind. They grind out innings. They get their team in position to win. And even when you don't have your best stuff, hey, if you got to live on the outer half, that's probably where you want to live. If you're going to make them swing and miss, that's where you're going to be. Tommy Ray was able to do that. And I think Coach Diggs is right. When you don't have your best stuff, you still got to go out there and battle. Um, I, I think both... Tigers, Cajuns, both got a guy that they're going to lean on heavily on the Friday night. I think they're both trying to figure out the other two spots on the weekend, though. I think they're both trying to figure out where they're going to lean on when they get into Sunbelt and SEC play. These are both teams that still have an opportunity to play good baseball down the stretch. Hey, these are both teams that could potentially play postseason baseball, maybe host postseason baseball, but they're going to have to clean stuff up. We also got to clean stuff up. We got to pay a few bills, but when we come back, we're going to have some fun. We're going to talk some Pelicans right here. So stick with us. Don't go anywhere on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Great news, my sports loving friend. No more aimlessly searching for sports talk love by swiping left or right. That's because you've already found the perfect match. For Sports Talk Love, that is... I'm ready for love. Now, back to the only lover you'll ever need. The game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Today is the day you join the 1037 The Game or 1041 The Game Clubhouse. Not only is it free to join, but you will get the chance to win tremendous gifts like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse or a $25 gift certificate from Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou. You can only win by joining the 1037 The Game or 1041thegame.com clubhouse. So sign up today. And right back in crunch time right here on 1037 The Game and 1041 Lake Charles. We're going to do something a little different. Hadn't talked a whole lot of NBA today, but we're not going to waste any time. We're going to head right out to the game hotline and bring on Pelicans beat writer of Nolan News, Christian Clark. Christian, how goes it on this Tuesday? Hey, man, I'm, uh, I'm up here in Memphis for this game, and uh, I'm pretty excited to, uh, to see uh, John person mainly. Um, it should be fun. Well, let's talk a little bit about the Pels. They made splash trade since that trade, 5-5. Five and five. We're a little bit hot, though, for a second before losing that game a couple nights back. How, how do you feel they bounce back tonight against Memphis? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, I think the big question is, is Brandon Ingram going to play? I mean, he's listed as questionable with right hamstring soreness. I think he's going to go through his warm-up and see, but 
I mean, that's a pretty big swing factor. The Pelicans are 2-12 and when Ingram doesn't play this season. You know, I would say the vast majority of those games came before C.J. McCollum was here. Um, but, you know, they've just had a really hard time when Ingram hasn't been able to play. So, you know, we should find out about that in like 20, 30 minutes. If Ingram can't go tonight, who's the guy that's going to kind of fill in those shoes to give uh, some, some support to, to P.J.? Yeah, I'm interested to see. I mean, it'll it'll be kind of a new decision, I think, for Willie Green. Um, you know, I guess I would, I would probably, you know, look at Tony Snell maybe, a guy who's been your sixth man in some of these games. He's shooting the three ball, I think, at 48%. Um, so that would probably be my bet is Tony Snell slides in there, but it remains to be seen. In your opinion, for, for the Pels really to have to get on the hot swing and, and end this season, you know, in the playoffs, what are three things they got to do? Um, I think, I mean, I think the biggest thing is just continue to defend. I mean, I don't, I don't really worry about their offense now that they do have CJ McCollum in this stretch of 10 games. They've played with McCollum. They're actually the number one offense in the NBA. I just don't think scoring the ball is a problem when you got CJ Brandon Ingram and Jonas Valanciunas. I think it's, can you do enough on the opposite end? And for the most part, they defended pretty well with CJ. There have been some not great moments. I think the end of that game against Denver, um, you know, was not great defensively. So that's that's kind of what it comes down to for me. Like, can they just get enough stops? And you know, they got a kind of a tough stretch coming up right here. I mean, they're going to play what five games in the next seven days. And when you got a guy like Ingram that's already battling injuries, is there anybody else on the team that's kind of a little bit banged up right now that we need to worry about? Um, I mean, you know, Zion Williamson hasn't played a game this season, so. <laughs> uh, but That's the glaring hole there, that, right? Uh, I mean, Larry Nance is a guy who they also got in that Portland trade. Um, you know, he's out right now. I think he's going to be a few weeks, but I think, you know, there's a possibility he does play at the end of the season. Um, but otherwise, everyone should be good. You're excited to see Ja tonight, but what can the Pels do to slow him down? I mean, he's been so good, especially over the last couple weeks. I mean, putting up 50 spot, spectacular dunks, beating the buzzer. I mean, the guy's doing it all right now. Yeah, I mean, I, number one, like pray. I mean, no one's really having much success against him. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think you got to try to limit his chances in uh, transition. Like, he's just, you know, one of the best, NBA's best players when he gets out on the fast break. Like, he's just incredibly dyna- dynamic. Um, and, you know, force him to shoot threes when you can. Like, he's just a so-so three-point shooter. Like, I think he leads the NBA in points in the paint. He wants to slash. He wants to score inside. So, you know, make him settle for contested, semi-contested threes. Points in the paint for a guy who's you know not that big in stature is that something that they could do? Put a body on him, maybe be more physical with him when they get the ball down low. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, I, I think they'll probably start Herb Jones, uh, you know, on him to start the game. You know, New Orleans' best defender is definitely their best on-ball defender, so Herb will definitely have his hands full. Uh, but yeah, he's he's guarded a lot of these like elite NBA perimeter players lately you know he's on Donovan Mitchell the other night in Utah so it's par for the course for him we're joined right now by Christian Clark right now by Pelicans beat writer over at Nolan News it sounds like you get an opportunity to go out and check out some different venues around the country as far as NBA you know stadiums go what what, what do you feel is the best atmosphere oh man um I've always had good times when I've gone to Portland. I did uh, I covered the Nuggets for a while, and I went out to Portland for some playoff games, and I thought that was that was pretty fun. I mean, it's always it's always pretty fun going to see the Lakers at Staples Center. Um, 
And earlier this season, you know, I got to do the games uh, against the Boston Celtics and the Knicks. I mean, those are two fun ones. You know, I'm, I'm never going to complain about going to Madison Square Garden. Uh, it does uh, it does feel special to me. So I don't know if I have one favorite, but yeah, man, it's uh, lucky lucky to, to do this for a living for sure. I mean, the Pels went ahead and they had won four in a row and they beat some nice teams along the way before losing to Denver a couple nights back, especially with Brandon Ingram kind of banged up. Where's this team's psyche at going into this game against Memphis? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, you know, they're fairly confident. I mean, they're 4-1 and one after the All-Star break. I mean, they were just blowing teams out in those first four games. Um, you know, that game in Denver, they got down by 21 in the first half and they were able to take a double-digit lead in the third quarter. Um, so I think they're fairly confident, man. I mean, especially if they got B.I., like, they, they got a lot of talent now uh, with, with C.J. in here. I mean, I think they, they feel super confident uh, when they're completely healthy. Wrapping up right now with Christian Clark, Pelicans beat right over at Nolan News. Pelicans win tonight if they hold Ja to. Oh, man, I'll say 19 points. Oh, Don't let them cross the 20-point mark. Oh, man. All right, all right, Christian. Tall task for the Pels tonight, but we appreciate your time nonetheless, my man. Enjoy that game. All right, thanks, man. Christian Clark right there. The Pelicans beat right over at NOLA News, breaking down all things Pelicans. James Mesh, my man. I you, We got to see you drop buckets a couple weeks ago over at the Cajun Dome. My man, Ja, he's like at another level. He, he's Mr. Bucket. He, he gets buckets wherever he wants. Christian said, hold him to 19 tonight. Tall, tall task. I think that number's more like 25. You know, I, I think that uh, he, he's going to have to, whew, man, if they hold him to 19, I think they win going away. I was going to say, I mean, it's it's pretty much the Josh over there. You got you got uh, Steven Adams, but he's not much of a threat on the offensive side. Jaron Jackson's not bad, but it, it's pretty much jaw. And I would say, yeah, if you can hold him to – 23-24, you, you should be able to win this. Unless he's just out here dishing assists and gets like 20 and everybody else is just hitting tonight. But I, I believe this is a good chance, and I like that it's only five and a half points that they're underdogs of. So if you're, if you're a betting man, I would say definitely go for the five and a half because this is a good team. And even though they did lose by eight, I mean, they had to go into overtime against the Nuggets, and they blew out the previous four opponents before that. So five and a half feels pretty reasonable since it, it all depends on B.I. being available, but I still think that he, he probably will play, and I like that. I like the five and a half. Yeah, they need him to go. I know he didn't go around and shooting uh, shoot around this afternoon, but they, they need him to get a go. I mean, look, Memphis 44-22 and on the season. They're eight games back of – the Suns, who are absolutely just running away with the Western Conference right now. They're 6-4 and four in their last 10, though, and Ja has been oh so good in all 10 of those. I, did you see that dunk last week? Yeah, I did. I, I mean, he, he, had a, he had a crazy three-pointer, he had a poster, and then he had a crazy buzzer beater where he's kind of did what LeBron did, I think, like a year or two ago where he's, he's pretty much running out of bounds and he just throws it from about the same area of the baseline. And he just throws it in. And I'm like, okay. He he's just not human tonight, I guess. Hypothetical question for you. Okay. The Pels draft Ja instead of Zion. I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty. Right, of course, right. I, I get that. Yeah, I get that. Where where are they now, though? 
I, I mean, you do have the point guard that I believe you've been wanting. You need more of a facilitator. I mean, are you saying with hypothetically with Zion uh, healthy? Yeah, I mean, if Zion's healthy and Ja's healthy, do you still rather have Zion? I'd still rather, I mean, if you have the team that you have right now, I'd rather have Ja. Yes, not only absolutely. because not 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 only because he's available, but because you don't necessarily need a four since you got Bi and you got CJ. You have Draw that he would be leading the charge. I guess you could say. Well, he wouldn't be able to as much since CJ's more of the seasoned veteran, but he he could still make those passes because that's what I think this team is away from. They still need a facilitating point guard that can make plays, but isn't scoring dependent, which. Jaw, he can score. He doesn't have to though. He but can he doesn't the game have in other to. ways, right? Oh yeah, yeah, he can make plenty of passes. He can kind of defend. He's still on the smaller side. He's got a smaller frame, but on the offensive side, he doesn't need to be the guy that scores or has the ball all the time. Well, I mean, it's got to be much better than Zion making a difference in the French Quarter and not the court, as he's been doing his entire tenure over in New Orleans. The man just can't stay healthy. Too much red beans and rice, James. Too much cornbread. <laughs> <laughs> Too much cornbread. But we did see I did see a picture on Twitter the other day where he doesn't look so large as we've made him out to be. Because we saw some somebody somebody's mob took a picture of the dogs, but it all it was Zion's dogs and Zion was in the picture. And and you look at him and I mean he Are you is kind of wearing sympathizer now? Well, I'm just being realistic. <laughs> I'm just being realistic out here. I'm not saying he's three hundred, but I'm also not saying he's two forty. I, he's definitely still very large. I think he's still around that 260, 270 range, which is a little big for how high he's jumping. <laughs> but he 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 was wearing some baggy clothes, but he didn't look as big as we're all making him out to be. So uh, I, th- I think he is, and not to mention he is reportedly getting healthier. So I believe he's working out. He's probably taking off some of that extra LBs. So I don't think it's... As bad as we've made. Does it he want to be here, though? Is the question, and does that's, he stay here? That's a completely different question. That's, that's a, a completely, totally different question. And is, what, what kind of value does he possess right now? Probably not much. Right now, I mean, his value is definitely on all-time low since he hasn't played it all year. Right, right. So, but it, it, with the current team they have now, and, and him on the trading block, though, maybe they can make a move in the off-season to, you know, get to that next level. That's exactly what I want because even though I like Zion, even though I like him as a player. He's not on he's not on he's not able to be on the court a bunch and at all. Yeah. <laughs> at all this year, but for the most part, he has not been able to be on the court much at all. And if you can trade him and say say trade him to the Thunder, because I was talking to my friend the other night. If you could trade him to like the Thunder and go get Josh Giddy. He I mean, he's an all-star. I don't know if the Thunder would be willing to trade for him, but if you're the Thunder, you got plenty of picks and you got plenty of young players. I say if you can get Josh Giddy and then still get a protected first rounder, that way it would it would still help the Thunder a little bit just in case where the ball rolls for them. And the Pels trade another player themselves. I like it. And then but you still get another first rounder because you're also trading another player themselves. So if you could get Josh Giddy a protected and two protected first rounders 
while you're trading Zion in maybe you're a couple of picks. You're asking for a lot there. I, I don't know if you. I know, but it's st- it's still Zion. It's yeah, still Zion, and I think the, you, the Thunder, won. the Thunder, they still don't have an identity. So if you can get Zion, you could potentially build around him, and you still have plenty of picks anyway. You lose Josh Giddy, but it's not like Josh Giddy's Ja Morant. No, but I mean, do, do the the Pels have a face at that point? You know, either. I think they're. I think at this point, Bi Bi and CJ, they've commanded that locker room. No, you got to build. Sure. You got to build for around sure. them, and you need to get that pass first point guard. Superstar, with, you know. I'm I'm talking about marquee kind of guys. Do do the Pels trade for one of those? No, I don't, I don't think you can. I, no. I think the way you win is by not trading for one of those guys. Trading for a piece, like you said, that, that's re- that's really how you make the hay. I just don't know if you're going to get him and two two protected first round picks. I I just don't see how um, Zion commands that much uh, that much value. I think it all just depends on how he looks during free agency and during the draft. That's ultimately what it comes down to. Because if you see him and let's say he is like that 300 pounder, then yeah, his value is going to go down. But if you see if you're seeing him at 250, 260, and you're you're seeing bulk Zion, you're seeing super strong Zion, not fat Zion, I I think his value goes back up because you know what he can but do on the court. Gonna, he's a 60, well, he's not, a 60% shooter. Right, but he's not going to come in the value that he would if, if he was playing. I mean, nobody's seen him do it in so long. It's going to be hard for people to just say, oh, you know, is he going to be able to do it again? It's been so long. There's so much rust on there. I, I find it. And can he stay healthy? You know, that, that's another big question for me to put up that much coin. We're going to take our last break of the show right now. When we come back, we're going to put it all in a box with a little bow on top and give you all the results from our Twitter poll and have so much more fun right on the other side. So stick around. Don't go anywhere on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. <laughs> The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your day nine blues. That's because once you become a member of the Rewards Club, you will have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. We want to help you take your lady out for some delicious seafood, but you can only win that $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House by joining the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Welcome back in for the last time on this wonderful Tuesday afternoon. I'm Blaine Vietar, guest hosting Crunch Time this afternoon with the main man behind the glass, Mr. James Mesh. And boy, did we have some fun. We talked a lot of different sports, college, pros, high school a little bit, all in between. James, I want to, before we wrap things up, though, we, we got to get a little bit of an update from the Twitter machine about our poll question of the day. Yeah, so we had 18 total votes thus far, and half of them have gone to neither when it comes to who will the Saints resign this next season. For next season, was it Teron Armstead? Will it be Marcus Williams? Will it be both or neither? Nine of them have gone to neither. A third of them have gone to both, and then one vote for Marcus Williams, and then two for Teron Armstead. Very well. A lot of teams around the league making splashes today. The Saints playing the cards close to the vest, seeing what they can do in free agency, not using a franchise tag on anybody. So it'll be interesting down the stretch to see what happens. I'm pretty fired up, though, to see what happens with the draft and how they do with their picks. We talked about that as well. I want to thank some folks for today because, boy, did we have a good time. We want to thank Mr. Scott Rabelais of The Advocate who joined us. And we talked about Willie Wade and the LSU Basketball Tigers receiving notice of allegations today 
Boy, some interesting times ahead for LSU hoops. Also want to thank Mr. Christian Clark, the Pelicans beat rider from Nolan Hughes, who broke everything down for us for the Pels in their big matchup against the Memphis Grizzlies tonight. I want to thank T and James, who both called in and had a good time with us right here, as well as the main man behind the glass, Mr. James Mesh, who kept me in check for two hours. Tip of the hat to you, friend. But... Don't fret. I'll be back guest hosting again Thursday and Friday this week. We'll see you soon, Acadiana.